0: Hey, this is Nathan Jenkins from Loon Mountain Ministry, and I want to thank you for checking out our podcast today. We welcome you to join us, the trees, the rocks, and all of creation as we worship our great God. Enjoy the message. I came to hate all my hard work here on earth, for I must leave to others everything I have earned. And who can tell whether my successors will be wise or foolish? Yet they will control everything I have gained by my skill and hard work under the sun. How meaningless! So I gave up in despair, questioning the value of all my hard work in this world. Some people work wisely with knowledge and skill, then must leave the fruit of their efforts to someone who hasn't worked for it. This too is meaningless, a great tragedy. So what do people get in this life for all their hard work and anxiety? Their days of labor are filled with pain and grief. Even at night, their minds cannot rest. It is all meaningless. So I decided there is nothing better than to enjoy food and drink and to find satisfaction in work. Then I realized that these pleasures are from the hand of God. For who can eat or enjoy anything apart from him? God gives wisdom, knowledge, and joy to those who please him. But if a sinner becomes wealthy, God takes the wealth away and gives it to those who please him. This too is meaningless, like chasing the wind. Thank you, guys. Thanks, everybody. You may be seated.
1: Let's... uh, Let's begin with a word of prayer. One second as I rearrange. (laughs) Heavenly Father, thank you once again for your word. Thank you that it is uh, living and active, that it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. God, we thank you. Uh, for the, the, the wealth of access that we have to it, that each one of us can be looking at our own copy, uh, that we can openly read it out loud together. Uh, Lord, open our hearts and our minds to what you have to say today through it. Lord, your spirit is here with us now, so we call on you, Lord, to, to increase our faith and, and do a work in us. Lord. Please help me to get out of the way, Um, and and Lord, may your voice be heard first and foremost. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. All right, how's it going, everybody? I uh, usually have this barrier between you and me called a guitar, which is nice for me, but every once in a while, it's good to get me out of my comfort zone and... uh, And speak um, on God's Word to you all. Uh, As you all know, uh, most of you know I should say, we are going through a sermon series on the books of wisdom and we're currently in the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, We've been making our way through chapter 2 for a few weeks now and today we're finding ourselves at the end of chapter 2. And if you've been following along with the sermon series it's been quite a ride as we've journeyed with Solomon uh, through his somewhat depressing pursuit of purpose. Um, we've, we've heard this key word in Ecclesiastes over and over again, and in the in the original Hebrew, the word is hevel, and in your Bible, uh, it likely translates meaningless or vanity. Um, but our friends over at the Bible Project, as Marcus has talked about, uh, they, they've kind of taught us that uh, maybe a more accurate translation or, or a different translation is, is that of vapor. Hebel actually means like vapor or smoke. And I love that image of vapor, and it makes so, so much sense to me because it's something that we can't see, or we can see, but we can't hold on to. It's always slipping out of our grasp. And paired with it is also another phrase that we see a lot in Ecclesiastes, and that's a chasing after the wind. And both of these pictures illustrate the fact that on an existential level, we're always looking for that one thing to hold on to. We're all looking for that one thing to which we can say, this is it, I've got it, I finally got it, I found it. And so, in chapter 2, Solomon sets out to find that one thing. The thing he can really hold on to, and he won't stop until he finds it. He commits his life to searching for that one thing, and he'll leave no rock unturned, and he'll spare no expense. And so he seeks purpose in all different kinds of things through laughter and food and drink, wisdom and folly, Through building things, owning things, through sexual encounters, through silver and gold, through singers and entertainers. He denied himself nothing. But after all of his achievements and his pursuits, his conclusion was Hevel. Vapor. You can't hold on to it. It's here for a moment and then it's gone. All of life's pleasures and achievements are here for a moment, and they're gone. It's like chasing the wind. There Solomon was, having accomplished or obtained everything he had sought out to do, everything he ever wanted, and still he was left feeling empty. Now, this isn't unique to Solomon. Uh, We've seen this in modern culture time and time again. During an interview with 60 minutes, Tom Brady said this. Why do I have 3 Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, "Hey man, th- this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life." Me, I think God, it's got to be more than this. I mean, this isn't this can't be what it's all cracked up to be. I've done it. I'm 27 what else is there for me? And the interviewer says, what's the answer? To that he responds, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. That interview was over 15 years ago. (laughs) I was gonna say. Since then, Tom Brady has won four more Super Bowls. But I wonder what he would say today. Something tells me that his tone would be the same. So my question for you is, have you been there? Have you achieved the goal? Have you won the prize or arrived at the place you thought would finally do it for you, only to get there and realize that's not it? What is it that you're seeking after now that you have convinced yourself that is actually what I wanted? This is it. I would challenge us all to think about what that thing is in our lives today. So we're going to pick up in verse 18, and for Solomon, it almost gets worse before it gets better. But I assure you that we won't leave today without a word of hope. So Solomon has just reminded us in verse 17 that everything he has accomplished or experienced in his life is like vapor. It has not satisfied, satisfied him, and then in verse 18 through 20, he says this. I came to hate all my hard work on earth, for I must leave to others everything I have earned, and who can tell whether my successors will be wise or foolish? Yet they will control everything I have gained by my skill and hard work under the sun. How meaningless! So I gave up in despair, questioning the value of all my hard work in this world. It's almost as if he's realizing as he writes, not only have all these accomplishments failed to satisfy me but i'm gonna have to hand it over to somebody else someone who hasn't worked for it doesn't appreciate it and is more than likely going to squander it and ultimately destroy it ouch that hurts and you know ironically he wasn't wrong We know from the Old Testament story uh, in 2 Chronicles that that's basically what happened. His successor, his son, uh, was Rehoboam. And because he ignored the advice of his father's advisors and listened to his foolish friends, the people of Israel were split, civil war broke out, depleting his wealth and destroying many of his father's accomplishments. Watching somebody else ruin what you have worked hard for is a really difficult thing. It's for that reason that I don't even like to use an etch a sketch.
0: <laughs>
1: right? You know, because I know if I even if I make something half decent, which I hardly ever can, if I set it down, chances are somebody else is gonna come and shake it up and it'll be all gone. What an awful trick that thing is. You know, parents, I, I'm sure you've seen this with your kids, um, but, you know, say one of them is building something with blocks, or we have these things called magnet tiles. If they have to leave the room for, for some reason, and their their sibling is in the room, they're like, Mom, don't let them ruin that thing. You know, we've all seen it. It makes sense. It hurts to, to, to watch somebody else ruin what you've worked hard for, or maybe haven't even worked that hard for, but... Solomon is coming to grips with the likelihood that within one lifetime of his death, all of his life's work and accumulated wealth and possessions will be gone. And it causes him to despise his life's work, as he descri- and he describes it as a great tragedy in verse 21. We'll pick up in verse 21. Some people work wisely with knowledge and skill, then must leave the fruit of their efforts to someone who hasn't worked for it. This, too, is Hevel, a great tragedy. So what do people get in this life for all their hard work and anxiety? Their days of labor are filled with pain and grief. Even at night, their minds cannot rest. It's all Hevel. Solomon has invested his whole life's work into a long list of accomplishments, which he admits have not satisfied him. And then on top of that, he comes to the realization that it will all be wasted by someone else. That's a crushing blow. If you've invested all of your love and energy and hope into one thing to realize that eventually it will be stripped from you, that's depressing. It sure sounds like Solomon was in this depressing moment. And and it's at this point that you might expect him to say, Alright, I'm done. I'm done with all of it. Pleasures are, are pointless. Work is pointless. Knowledge is pointless. Wisdom is pointless. I'm done with life. But he doesn't. Suddenly, out of almost nowhere, verse 24 actually takes a hopeful turn. He says this, So I decided there's nothing better than to enjoy food and drink and to find satisfaction in work. Then I realized that these pleasures are from the hand of God. For who can eat or enjoy anything apart from him? God gives wisdom, knowledge, and joy to those who please him. But if a sinner becomes wealthy, God takes the wealth away and gives it to those who please him. This too is vapor, like chasing the wind. And so in light of all that that Solomon has said in this last chapter, he's kind of concluding by saying the best thing that we can do in this world that's here today and gone tomorrow is see the world for what it really is. Thank you, Emily. Is to see the world for what it really is and to see God for who he really is. The world and everything in it is temporary, but God is eternal. The world is broken, but God is perfect and good. When we take what is temporary and we try to put it in the place of what is eternal, we find ourselves grasping at smoke, grasping at vapor. And this is the nature of idolatry, taking good things and making them God things taking second things and making them first things. All worship requires sacrifice, whether your worship is directed at God or something or someone else. And we know something is an idol in our lives when we sacrifice too much for it. So where in your life have you sought joy or fulfillment apart from God? What has become for you an idol and taken God's place in your heart and in your life? Verse 25 reminds us that apart from God, there is no joy. It says, for who can eat or enjoy anything apart from him? So who or what are you trying to squeeze life out of? Who or what are you trying to fill your cup with? There's only one living water. When we keep things in their rightful place, there is joy to be found in this life. When we view all of life as a gift and God as the giver, we begin to live a life full of gratitude. We have a verse in our home, uh, in our living room. If you've if you've been to our, into our house, uh, it's become one of my favorite verses. It's 1 Thessalonians five, sixteen through eighteen, and it says, "Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus." See, gratitude is the key to joy in all of life's circumstances. Good bad, or otherwise. Now, this isn't the formula for a perfect life. The truth is that our souls will never be completely satisfied in this life. Our existence is still subject to the effects of sin which taint our fellowship with God and with each other in his creation. C.S. Lewis is... uh, one of my all-time favorite Christian thinkers uh, and authors. And he wrote a book called Mere Christianity. I would highly recommend it. Um, It is pretty dense, um, so get ready to put your thinking caps on. Uh, But I'm going to read for you a quote that comes from Mere Christianity. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy... The most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it, that does not prove that this universe is a fraud. Probably earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but only arouse it to suggest the real thing. If that is so, I must take care, on the one hand, to never despise or to be unthankful for these earthly blessings." And on the other, never to mistake them for something else of which they are only a kind of copy or echo or mirage. I must keep alive in myself the desire for my true country, which I shall not find till after death. I must never let it get snowed under or turned aside. I must make it the main object of life to press on to that country and help others to do the same. If there's nothing in this world that can truly satisfy us, bring us lasting contentment, or peace, then you and I must have been created for something else. Something beyond what we are experiencing now. What that one thing is, is unity with God through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is that one thing And if you know him, you know that there's hope for what's beyond this life. We as believers don't have to be depressed about the disappointments of this life. And there are many. There are seasons of sadness, for sure, where we we mourn. And and scripture talks about how creation grieves uh, the effects of sin that we're experiencing today. But we need to remember that we don't mourn like people without hope. What we're experiencing now is not the ultimate reality that we live for. We live for God's eternal kingdom, a life with God that has begun today, but won't be completely revealed until Christ's return. When that day comes, it will be a party. It will be awesome. Scripture talks about a great wedding feast, greater than any celebration you've ever experienced. And why will it be so good? Sure, there will be great food, great friends, great celebrating, but it will be so great because our relationship with God will be fully restored. There will be nothing separate, nothing separating us from our fellowship with Him. We live for God's eternal kingdom. The question we need to ask ourselves daily is, whose kingdom am I building? Am I working to build my kingdom with a home or a career or a lifestyle or a social following that suits me? If the answer is yes, then you're living like Solomon. I'm guilty of living like Solomon. Solomon proved to us that living a life intent on building your own kingdom is a meaningless existence because you'll never find satisfaction and sooner or later it will all be gone. Jesus speaks directly to this in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6. He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal." For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's my prayer for for all of us, for me, for you, that like Jesus, we would be willing to live and work for God's kingdom, not for our own, and that, that we would use the blessings that he gives us to bless others and share his love. Unlike Solomon, Jesus perfectly embodied wisdom, and holiness, and willingly endured pain and grief for a greater purpose. Unlike Solomon, Jesus willingly offered the fruit of his labor, his life's work, for us who have not worked for it, don't deserve it, and will often squander it. He did this out of love. He did this so that you and I could once again be with God, and know God, and share In the fruit of his labor. Jesus is the true and better Solomon who illustrates to us by his life, death, and resurrection that life with God and for God is full of purpose and meaning. Do you believe this? Have you received God's gift of love through the death of his Son on your behalf? Or are you still trying to earn his love and acceptance through some other means? Are you willing to surrender? To him. To surrender your kingdom. For his. The gospel is only good news. When we, when we believe in it. And receive it. The good news of Jesus invokes a response. Simply giving a nod or a thumbs up. Is not what Jesus calls for. Jesus calls for surrender. And belief. And belief. And faith and that changes everything so I would encourage you look look inside ask yourself whose kingdom are you building today if it's your own I would ask you how's it working for you how's it going maybe you should consider living for God's kingdom because he's the only one who has proved himself worthy And loving and eternal thanks for listening guys let's pray Heavenly Father we thank you for your eternal love the book of Ephesians talks about how before the, the world was even created you saw us and you chose us in love father The things of this world will will come and go, seasons will come and go, but Father, your love for us remains the same. You are never changing. You are constant. You are Alpha Omega beginning and end, Lord. I pray this morning that that we would come to a, a greater awareness of your love for us and your grace upon us. Lord, that you have loved us before we could have done anything for you or against you, and so today your love remains the same. We thank you for the embodiment of wisdom and love that we have in Jesus Christ, who left his comfort zone next to you in heaven to come to earth, to become a man, Lord, to live perfectly and to give up the fruits of his labor on our behalf. By being nailed to a cross, Lord, and in exchange receiving the weight of our sin, the weight of, of, of our what we deserve because of how we have squandered what you have given us. Father, I thank you for the resurrection. I thank you that, that you just displayed your power uh, over sin and death, and you, you offer that power to us now. If we'll put our faith and trust in you, call on you as Savior and Lord of our lives. We thank you that this is good news for today and not just good news for the future. We love you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening. We here at Loon Mountain Ministry are committed to loving God, serving community, and enjoying mountains. We want to thank you for being a part of our collective high five this week as we seek to be a light in the White Mountains and all around the world. Please feel free to reach out to us at info at com so we can get more connected. See you guys.